Nate Preston. Hello and welcome to Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast with our host, Buddy Sotelo Esquire, Evan Ginsberg, and Mike Leno. Evan, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Absolutely. Good evening, everybody. I'm honored to have on Kim Otlip, who is the owner promoter at Ignite Wrestling. And you could tell just that by the background behind us. <laughs> it's everywhere. She's a true promoter, you could tell. And uh, she's also a TEDx speaker, very impressive, and a 2021 Women Who Rock nominee. And we'll discuss all of this. Welcome to the show, Kim. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Welcome. Welcome to uh, wrestling. Buddy, buddy's hot, as you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. How hot is it out there, you don't know hot. <laughs> well, it's been like over a hundred pretty much all week long here in Northern California. We're we pay too much in rent to to be subjected to these kind of temperature conditions. Um, I understand that. Mike used to live up north and he's in glorious Southern California where I think it's only in the, the high seventies out there, right? Well, I'm on the water, but we came back to Southern California after 40 years in the Bay Area where it was always cooler, but now I'm happy where we are, you know, on the beach by the water, but I, I know it's been in the national news, the horrific heat wave, uh, all the global stuff going on out here. So if anybody, anyway, uh, send us your cool weather and your water to the state of California if you've got any to spare. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, uh, Kim, please tell us how you got started. Um, what, what got you started in your involvement in wrestling? I've always been a fan of wrestling. Um, I grew up watching it. I went to my first show in 1969, so that should tell you how old I am, slightly. And um, I just really enjoyed it. I had another who was on Who was on the first card? Do you remember? Rosie Martino and Batman. Oh, wow. Tony Marino, Batman? Uh, I'm not sure. I was five years old, so I'm not sure. It just says the Batman because I, I have a. I looked it up the other day because somebody didn't believe me and thought I had dreamed it. And I said, no, actually, February 1st, 1969, they were in New Martinsville, West Virginia. Well, that was uh, Tony Marino, and they slapped him. He tried doing that in Bruno's uh, Pittsburgh uh, promotion that Vince McMahon Sr. allowed him to sort of run and book. It uh, was quite a bit different and unique from uh, the normal Tri-WF stuff. But no, that was Tony Marino, more famous for working for the Sheik in Detroit. But no, that that was a big deal. They they were stopped. It, uh, I, I think even there he had his Robin come in like one or two times. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of like the valet. He didn't wrestle. So it was very cool. And you're right on. Do you, you don't remember anybody else on the card? Or who else was on that show? Uh, I believe Putski might have been on the card. Um, there, there was a lot of them. I just remember it was a tag team and they, a bunch of people jumped Bruno and the Batman came out and, uh, saved Bruno and they ended up winning the match. And that's just on that show, as well as a young John L. Sullivan, who later became our friend, the guy we miss, uh, Johnny Valiant. Yeah, I, I, I know Jimmy. I, I, I actually know Jimmy's wife. She lives here in Vero. Mm -hmm. Or the wife before Angel? Yes, uh, Big Mama. Okay. Well, and of course, Evan has his stories about, uh, you know, Johnny Valiant and, and, and you know, uh, everything else that, that went on, unfortunately, 
couple. It's two years now almost. Three. Johnny. Three. Yeah, Johnny's yeah. got three years now. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Johnny and Nikolai went the uh, same year and Bruno right around the same time. Right. So, so, so after going to that first incredible match, you were just so psyched up about wrestling that you stayed with it all that time. Uh, oh yeah, my dad. When I was little, my dad would take us, you know, to the. Um, we had like a little magazine bookstore, and I would go every month and get my wrestling magazines. Um, you know, everyone else is buying comics. I'm buying wrestling magazines. Wow. And I was a huge Stan Hansen fan, and you know. Chief J Strongbow and all the all through the years. So when the opportunity came, I had a different business uh, in 2015. I was at another show and I was so unimpressed with it. I'll say that politely that I looked at my husband and said, you know, I could do this and I could do this better. And uh, so I spent about a year uh, talking to people and going to shows and seeing how they ran them. And then I did the complete opposite. So, Kim, let me let me briefly discuss the complete opposite. I've I've done this with uh, Buddy four hundred times. So, when you do indie wrestling wrong, <laughs> you have fourteen matches. It goes four to six hours. You have endless ticket sellers who don't even own gear, who don't sell, etc., so on, and it becomes an endurance contest. I once saw two stars go into a cage at 12.15 at night, at night, after midnight. If you put a million dollars in front of me, I couldn't tell you who those two guys were because I was so numb by 12.15. So tell us the opposite side of this, how you as a promoter do things right. Um, I, have, I will say that I have done a show that had nine, ten matches once. Uh, that was the worst I ever did, and that was my rookie mistake. Um, anybody that wanted to call me mom and be my buddy and offer to pay on the titles to be in contention were automatically never booked. Yes. Um, no, we we run our shows run about two hours, two and a half tops. Um, oh, every very 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 friendly locker room. Uh, people don't hang out my, if you're not on the show, you're not in my locker room. Um, if you want to bring your family, your family's going to buy a ticket. Not everybody's coming for free. Uh, I don't do hot dog and a handshake. If you tell me what your rate is, that's what I'm paying you. I'm not going to set and say, oh, oh, sorry, dude, I can only afford 20 bucks because I know that the guys coming from Orlando spend that much just in tolls to get from Orlando and back and to get, you know, a drink. So I'm not going to insult people. I wanted to show people respect, and that's something I didn't see in some of uh, some of the Florida companies. I'll not say all, but some. So yeah, I wish I worked really, for you. What you're really saying is you're treating it as a business and professionally, as opposed to a circus like so many indies. Well, yeah, I'm licensed. I'm an LLC. I'm licensed. I'm insured. You know, uh, I pay taxes. I do the whole nine yards. Uh, I send you my resume. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, no, but I, you, you obviously, you know, are dealing with it in a way that you know puts you on a different level. You put the pro in pro wrestling, which is uh, impressive to me. Well, I was a project account manager for a tech company, so 
doing projects and deadlines and lining stuff up and you know working that way comes more comfortably to me rather than you know it is weird because I was uh we just did a show and um I had a guy that I paid and he goes I haven't ever been paid in advance for a show before the show and I was like how long have you been wrestling he's like five years I'm like who the hell are you working for then you know everybody else He's working for everybody else, pretty much. Everybody and their brother that has a show. And it's like, you know what? I don't want to deal with paying a show. So you got to PayPal. You have cash up. I'm paying you before you get to the door. That's one less thing I have to deal with. That's not proved to be risky ever at all? No. I know where they all live. (laughs) (laughs) I I follow their wives on social media. They rip me off. I'll call their moms. (laughs) I've seen... a lot of stuff. So it sounds like you're handling this professionally. Very quickly, if you don't know me, I've been shooting for you know decades for the newsstand magazines all over the place. But I'm more. Uh, I see myself more as a historian, and I've written a lot about Ann Gunkel, who I think was one of the very first female promoters. Her husband Ray Gunkel died, you know, in that match, not caused by, but in the match with Ox Baker. And then she was getting screwed in the Atlanta area by the the promoter there and the bookers, which included some big time guys like Bill Watts. And she beat them for about a year and a half uh, all over the state of Georgia, which was historic. And then also another female was uh, Sheik's wife, Joyce Farhut in Detroit, who helped him book. But she really wasn't technically a promoter. And there have been very few. Uh, Brittany Brown promoted with uh, one of her, uh, I think, I forget which husband, but was promoting in uh, New England. Very few. So big kudos to you for that, because it's a very small roster of women. And, um, you know, you seem to have a handle on it from what I'm seeing right here. So that that's just great. I, I'm, we need more. But do you know how, how many women are promoting you know, on the uh, the indies today, because I've heard of Ignite. I, I, you know, I've read about it often in the, the Observer and, and stuff like that, and, and seen it uh, online. W- what areas in Florida? You're in Florida now, not uh, West Virginia. What what parts of Florida are you, and where are you promoting? I'm in Central Florida. Uh, I'm halfway between Daytona and Fort Lauderdale on the East Coast, so like 90 minutes out of Orlando. I stay right in my area. I don't really travel. I mean, I've done a couple shows where I'm around, but uh, the majority of every show I've done is in Vero Beach, um, which used to be Dodger Town. You guys might uh, know I, I more. There to, for the spring, uh, it was yeah. always a blast in the 80s in particular, seeing all those legends there. Is there anything going on baseball-wise in Vero Beach? No. Everybody's in, like, Arizona now. Uh, Dodger Town's still here. It's now the Jackie Robinson Training Center, and we do a lot of training and, and, and baseball camps here, um, but not a lot of games. Sometimes they'll do like specialty games, but St. Lucie Mets play about 30 minutes down the road. So what um, I asked was to see, this was like 85, 86, 87. I went there. Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, all these total legends, Manny Moto, all these great Dodgers. There's even a Dodger named John Kennedy who was playing when the other John Kennedy was in the White House. Uh, wow. Wow. That's, As a that's, San Francisco Giants fan, you're killing me here. But well, you, uh, you know, uh, the Giants and the A's, because I, I haven't quite warmed up to the Dodgers yet, uh, and the turncoat Met who uh, screwed over the New York fans to come to work for the Dodgers. So, no, my heart's still with the Giants and A's. But I grew up 
uh, and was going and actually was able to shoot the Dodgers uh, growing up in L.A. So, uh, so, so Kim, tell me um, the what you would feel maybe is a greater challenge for you being a woman promoter in a mostly male-dominated field and how you've been able to cope with it and be as you know professional as you are in everything you do. My biggest thing in the beginning, and I'm still kind of stuck on that, was respect. And then it took me about three years to realize that some people, no matter what I do and no matter what I achieve, they're never going to respect me because I'm not a vet. I didn't come out of the sport. And um, I am still in the same mindset that I will continue to do this as long as I'm having fun. And I'm going to do things the way I want to do them. And if people don't like the way I want to do them, then there are 68 other companies in Florida they can work for. 68 other companies. 68. We did it. Wow. We did a tally the other day. Wow. Day, and there are 68 companies that are active in Florida right now. You could. Each one's the best. Each one's yeah. the best if you ask them. You know what? Sure. I don't. I, I don't have a world champion. We're not intercontinental. We're simply Ignite Wrestling. I know what my role is in indie wrestling. I am just an indie wrestling company, and I don't claim to be anything more than I am, and you'll never see my ass on a poster or my face uh, on a poster. Uh, but, you know, I do go out and I network and I promote the company and I go on podcasts and everything, but I I know who I am and I know what I am, and I think that's a thing with that comes with age that I'm more comfortable that I'm not going to, I don't have an ego to feed. Uh, and See, I think that's hard to, that, that sets you apart already yeah. from the uh, 67 other uh, wrestling federations yeah, that are there. I mean, that is a lot of them do it because of the ego trip thing. And, and, you know, uh, I was going to add on the list of, of things that make for terrible Promotions. How about you have nine matches on a card and not one of them has been booked at the same time as the others so that nobody goes over any of the booking. So you have at least three of the matches have the exact same finish as the no, other no. ones. We go over all that. Uh, the guys kind of call certain moves. Nobody's allowed to do the same finish. Um, that's That's been since the beginning because we had, I think it was a... I'd say the first or second show, there were like eight super kicks. And I'm like, did I miss something in the back? Because I don't re remember saying everybody in this show needs to do a super kick. <laughs> well, what happens is that all the guys go out in the back separately. They do their own matches and nobody pays any attention to what anybody else is doing for their for the, what they're going to do on the show. So mm -hmm. you have these guys who just saw it on Raw you know, just saw some move on Raw or SmackDown or AEW that's so hot and wonderful. And they say, well, we'll do that, too. And then there's six other guys on the card that say they're going to do that move also. And by the, you know, the 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 12th time that you've seen it in the ring, yes. it gets yes. absolutely as much pop as as, as 12-day-old uh, uh, cornflakes in the bowl. Yeah, but it's overused now. On AEW last night, for example, the guys that are most famous for doing the super kick and the super kick party, the uh, Young Bucks, they were doing it in their match, the main event, but uh, or the one of the brothers was in there. Uh, but 
all throughout the matches, there were super kicks all over the place. And it's now just a transition move. It's not like Shawn Michaels or Cowboy James. Chris Adams. As a finisher. It's it's just transition, which really bothers me when you see somebody held up for 40, 50 seconds uh, in a suplex, a vertical suplex. It's not a finisher or figure four. Let me ask you, uh, it sounds like, are you a head booker? Are you participating with other bookers? Are you the... the No, I'm, I'm the booker. Nice. I had someone that helped me briefly, and that was a nightmare because he wanted to book his buddies, and I didn't like the way the matches were being called. I mean, I, I understand I'm not a wrestler, and I've never been a wrestler, but I know what fans, from a fan's perspective what I want to see um, and what people are popping for. And uh, just because your guys that you were training with are learning this move, I don't need to see it because... <laughs> But uh, no, I go over, uh, except for two people on the card, I talk to everybody. They tell me what their finishes are. Um, I, I know what their main things are. The, the video guy knows what their main finishes are, you know, so we have him in place. Uh, so there's a lot of communication that goes on. Uh, so, so we get the best product, uh, especially for video. Tell, tell me about your video production, because to me, that's always the, the, the uh, uh, holy grail of indie wrestling is if you've got a good tv yeah if you've got good video or not unfortunately my fed california championship wrestling we were in that early 2000s time where it was very hard to make a quality video production without spending a lot of money and maybe you found a way to get around that so it's Um, i have a guy i have a guy named his name is eric Eric Springy runs uh, runs uh, Gorilla Press, so he does a lot of concerts and everything. We do a two camera setup, and um, he has done. He knows these guys. He's done these shows, so he knows a lot of their moves. He knows their finishes, and um, his camera is phenomenal. I, I mean, the quality is just excellent. Um, but you know, finding somebody that wasn't. Um, and you know, this is a problem in wrestling that's not uh, a jerk or a pedophile or just a lousy cameraman is hard. But we lucked into finding we lucked into finding Eric um, through um, Eric was friends with a guy that or, or is our now our commentary team, uh, the young professor in sticks, Matt Grafer, and Matt recommended Eric, and Eric's been phenomenal. He's been with us a couple years now, and. Um, he he does the main two camera edits and then I add all the overlays and everything else to it. Wow! For the Kim, Kim, let me let me throw this in for a second. Um, I know a lot of the indie wrestlers think of their promotion and their promoter as a quote unquote family, and quite often I'll say to them, also as an older person. I'll say, well, maybe they should be paying you. Maybe it shouldn't be, you know, uh, a handshake and a couple of Frankfurters or or whatnot. Um, You know, and and once they're gone from the promotion, they've moved on to married life, fatherhood, whatever the case may be. You know, they never hear from these people again. So it seems to me that forget the family you know, treat it as a business like you do and pay them fairly. And, you know, um, I think it's they have to remember it's the wrestling business. It's mm-hmm. not a substitute for a family. What's your take on that? I think that 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I've had people that, uh, and I had a lot of people want to call me mom, and I've said that before. Uh, you know, uh, buttering up to me isn't going to change anything. Come do what I ask you to do. Uh, you're paid to do something. At the end of the day, I'm not their family. I'm their employer. I've contracted them to do X, Y, and Z. I'm friends with them, and there's people that have worked for me that have gone on or, you know, got injured and no longer wrestle. I'm still friends with them. I still talk to them on social. But I... I wouldn't call. I, I wouldn't consider them family because I, I think if I actually needed them, they wouldn't bother to show up. To be honest, I, I live hours away from them. Right. I, I had. A, I have a friend who came down with COVID. He was on a respirator. The doctor said you may or may not make it. You know, part of a wrestling promotion. And he realized the vast amount of wrestlers didn't so much as give him a call. And he was very disillusioned at a young age. And you know, I said to him. In this life, you learn who your true friends are. You know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'll find out, and, I, and I've told this to other people, when a lot of these guys are like, well, I just appeared on AEW, or I was over, had a Ring of Honor trial, and now everybody's being my friend. I'm like, yeah, it's because they're fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to find out who's going to be there and who's not, uh, especially like hurt your knee and find out who's there when you're rehabbing your knee. Yeah. And who's checking on you and who's asking you once you get, take a bad bump at a show. That's when you find out who your friends are. Absolutely. I, I have one final question. Underneath mm -hmm. that black belt behind you, what are those little things? These? Yeah. <laughs> they um, we have our own light of hot sauce. Wow. Really? really? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Inferno that? Hot Sauce. It's a garlic habanero we sell. Who's uh, the wrestler to pick up? Looks like Brian Cage, maybe. Um, it's just a generic, generic. he's a little generic dude. Cause, uh, my champion swears it looks like him because he's bald and I'm like, no, it doesn't. He's <laughs> uh, 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 uh. got more muscles. <laughs> it was about your promotion. Um, and with so many in Florida may take the record away from, you know, states like Pennsylvania in terms of promotions and mm -hmm. schools, et cetera. So Florida, it sounds insane promoting there. Is so tell us about your promotion and also is it primarily based on ticket sales or do you have TV or do you uh, charge for streaming uh, you know views of streaming? How how are you handling you know this very complex uh, thing outside of your fan base? Uh, from the beginning, I was on Roku from the second show. So I'm on Roku, I'm on Fire TV, I'm on Independent Wrestling TV, I'm on Pivot Share. I have 29 collaborations with other companies such as High Spots Network uh, through Pivot Share. I've got a digital magazine on Zinio, I've got a trading card line, a hot sauce line, uh, you know, apparel line. Um, we honestly, ticket pre-sales are the least amount of money we make on pre-sales. The bulk of what we make at a show is at the door, but the bulk that we make overall for a show is on video views and trading cards and everything. So, uh, I mean, I've tried to diversify it as much as I can. And like during COVID, we started a, a little feature uh, a couple months back called Ignite Rewind. So I'm playing one classic match, one newer match uh, every Tuesday and Thursday just to keep content up because I only run three times a year. I'm not like it's Friday, first Friday of the month, let's have a show. 
I only do three shows a year uh, because I feel that, number one, it wears me out. Number two, it's more of an event and people look forward to it. We get more of a response from it, you know, as a special event instead of, oh, crap, there they are again, you know. Last question, who who have come in through your doors? Who've come in and out? Who've some of the names? Uh, uh, obviously, it sounds like you're very successful. So I'm sure you've had some uh, some great players. Um, Cahagas, the Tokyo right. Monster, uh, Lince Dorado, Leo Rush, uh, Lacey Lane, Santana Garrett, Danny Birch, um, Serpentico, uh, Kylan King, um, I'm blanking on names. Uh, Rachel Ellering's worked for me. Uh, There's been a lot. Usually it's people that are on their way up. Uh, I don't do legends. Very, very rarely. Cahagas was a friend, you know, uh, a friend of our referee, Randy Eller. So we brought Cahagas in twice. He's great. Uh, He's a great guy. I love love Paul. He's cool. you know, we've had him, we've had the Dirty Blondes, we've had Calvin Tankman, we've had uh, Fred Yehi. Uh, Fred's, Fred's awesome. Oh, he's a sweetheart. He rode a bus from Iowa to Florida wow. to do my show because he wow. didn't fly. Uh, and I'm thinking that's dedication to ride a Greyhound all the way from Iowa just for a show. But, you know, we, we've had a lot of them that, that, have, that have come through. Um, and uh, we counted it up, and there was like 50-some people that have appeared either uh, somewhere on television, either as, you know, enhancement talent or, or otherwise. And we've had over 175 on, that have appeared in our show's total, wrestlers, over five years. And we've only done 20 shows. Congratulations. Now, I'm going to ask something that I think all the fans have on their mind, and that is, how is that sauce on ribs? That sauce is excellent on ribs. It's about a 50,000 Scoville. I'd say 40, 50,000 Scoville. It's got a little little, little snap to it, but it's not crazy. But if you look at my YouTube, you'll actually see my husband and I, because we got bored. We actually, on our Ignite Wrestling YouTube, do a, a, a feature called Ignite Eats. And he's been having me do Ghost Reaper uh, Doritos and oh. Carolina Reaper Fudge. And you get to see, I'm, I'm, I'm like crying, trying to, this stuff. But I, I finally said, listen, dude, we got to do some like milk chocolate and some German chocolate and some chips. I can't do this every week. I'm going to burn a hole in me. <laughs> you, should, you should go on Shark Tank with the sauce and a couple of like big wrestlers. That would be <laughs> colorful. Yeah. Oh, who knows at some point. Some, right. someday, someday I'll be on that. I, I, I do want to do something nationally on national television. I'd love to do an interview. That, that's my bucket list. Well, we're, we're, we try to do the best that we can here on wrestling and everything coast to coast. At least you'll be on YouTube as if that's. Absolutely. Uh, I, hey, this has been on my bucket list, too, because I, I, I follow Evan a lot. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, now we'll be following you. Um, in fact, you can tell all our fans how they can uh, follow you and get a hold of you and, and, and what your social media stuff is like if you're up for our fans. All of our social media is at Ignite Wrestling. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. We're on TikTok. That's new. Uh, our YouTube channel, everything at Ignite Wrestling, or Fire TV, and Roku. Uh also check the hashtag we are ignite that is our uh, roku hashtag as well 
And when you are ready to do another show, I would really love it if you could come back and promote it with our show again. You've been an absolutely fabulous guest, and um, we would love to have you as a repeat guest. I, I want to work for you. You're, you're, you are what every like uh, wrestler, I think, wants deep down to be treated like by a promoter. And that kind of straightforwardness, or at least the one, the wrestlers you want to work with, mm-hmm. are the kind of wrestlers that appreciate your approach. And 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 uh, no wonder why you've been able to to be so successful in what you do. But also, she grew up as a fan that we respect a lot—not a neophyte, but somebody who, as you say, been watching for decades and decades and decades. So, you have my ultimate respect on that. Yeah, I I I, I tell people I'm not really a mark. But I'm a fan because I think there's a difference. But you're a very smart fan, and you. I'm a smart mark. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you, you, you've you've got you've channeled it in a very mature and and level-headed fashion. And I wish I could say that about more promoters that I've worked with over the years, but I can't. So him, him, him. Yeah. I had a promoter once say to me, "I ran 19 shows." Lost money on 18, but I'm going to keep going like he's on a mission, like a religious fervor. And so when I hear somebody level-headed like you, I go, it's the wrestling business. It's a business. I mean, Kim, how many other female promoters are promoting currently? I mean, Dixie Carter, long out of the business, and her problem was being on camera too much. Sounds like you're not doing that. Um, I believe there's two over in the UK, but I can't remember their names. There was a girl in Louisiana named Brittany uh, Houghton, but I'm not sure she's still with that company, Elevate Pro, because um, I, I, I believe she moved over to Texas because she's doing stuff with Mission Pro uh, with um, Thunder Rosa now. Well, you keep doing what you're doing, and I hope that you're a huge success. Right. And, and we'll really be on the look. For uh, uh, ignite to, to to climb up and uh, you know impress all of us outside of Florida, you know. Hopefully, we can raise a California. One of these days, you can do a, a tour to California, and we'll, we'll get uh, out here. I, I I I'd have to put like regular pants on and shoes and leave my house. Uh, I don't yes. know. My venue's only five minutes from my house. I mean, that's. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you being on the show, and we'll have you on again soon. Well, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank have you. a great evening. Thanks. All right, let me give our next. I, I got to tell you, when you find a promoter like that, that's that's somebody that's made out of gold. Uh, yeah. And and it's not the uh, Roland Alexander experience. I'll. I'll say that for it's a rarity, and then she has to take more abuse because guys often think they can manipulate women in power, and that's not true with her. She's not going to put up with bullshit. All right, um, do we have our next guest here tonight? Chris Michaels. Do I photograph? Yes, can you can you hear us? Do I fear you? Yes, you, you can. I no here. We can hear you, but you need to turn on your camera. Sight. Chris, you have to put on the camera. Yeah, my, the- my camera is on. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Uh, oh, I clicked the camera thing, but I guess it didn't go on. There we go. Okay. And there we go. We have liftoff. I see. We have, w- we have your initials. Got my initials. Kick in. 
Okay. Let's It'll kick in. You, you haven't started, but it just I, hasn't. I know what might has kicked in. So that looks great. I think I figured out what could be the problem. Uh, right again. There we go. There we go. We have All your right. back. We have your backdrop, but not you. Well, well, because my because my backdrop is in a different location than my computer. Oh, there you go. There you go. There, there we are. Yeah. Welcome. Cheers. Okay. There you go. So let me give them an introduction. This is my buddy Chris Michaels, one half of Team Splendid. He was the former ECW tag champ with Johnny Hotbody, the Suicide Blondes. He also worked for the notorious Herb Abrams. Also worked at WWE, wrestled all the legends, Chris Michaels. How are you, Chris? Thank you for joining us. Hey, I'm uh, doing great. Dr. Mike Lano. Hey, Chris. I've seen you with many a Tommy D show back in the, in the history of... Uh, of my wrestling time. Which of the two guys passed away? When I used to come to all of those shows and Coraluzos and Joel Goodhart's, it was a lot of hot body Tony Stetson. Was it Tony Stetson who passed away? No, that was Larry Winters. Oh, okay. yeah, Larry Winters died. He was great. So Johnny and Tony are still alive. Yes, yes. Uh, I, Tony, I um, I keep in contact with him every so often on Facebook. Johnny, I haven't heard. I actually. Should, I was supposed to call Tony a while back. We never got a chance to. But uh, I think Johnny was having some health issues and whatnot. But, uh, but I haven't heard anything since. So I'm hoping that no news is good news. And speaking of no, speaking of no good news, I just want to acknowledge once again the passing of yet another indie wrestler that we knew, Aaron Fenzi. Is, is, uh, Mr. Thursday Night. Mr. Thursday Night, yeah. And a nice guy and... You know, I would say he was in his 40s, relatively young, and nobody Absolutely. seems to know yeah. what happened. But yeah, uh, oh all God, I got that's was the first uh, I've heard of this. Seizure, but that was really it. Um, and the funny thing is, he relocated to California. I didn't even know that. He was a New Jersey guy for the longest. I didn't even know he moved. So it goes to show you. That. Uh, I, I, uh, and he's doing, Carmine's doing the witness protection thing in Wisconsin. <laughs> Wow, Aaron's oh. a Facebook friend of mine. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, he died a few days ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Wow. That is incredibly sad. Yeah, it is. And the thing is that we're all older than this guy, you know? It's like we kind of, like, sit there and, like, there's been several younger guys that just dropped recently. And it's like, wow. And I was, like, saying on the phone to Evan earlier, I'm like, well, geez, are we blessed to see another day or are we actually being punished to live another day on Earth? I don't know which is the one, but... I'll go with the. I'll, I'll take the punishment as long as I can feel pain. I'm still alive. It's a good point. So, hey, uh, since I'm kind of new to your to, to everything that you've done, can you tell me how you got started in professional wrestling? All right. Well, it'll go back to my army days. Uh, I was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana, in the uh, 1980s. I was uh, there from. Uh, 84 to 87, you know, of course, you know, minus basic training and all of the crap. Um, and, and down south, you had Mid-South, you had NWA, you had, uh, world-class championship, was it world-class? Yeah. So you had a lot, a lot of the territories were based in that area, especially Mid-South, which I absolutely loved. And Boyd Pierce, the guy that came out there, that if um, there was two shows on TV during that era, that if you ever wanted to adjust your TV without using the color bars, 
It would have been yeah. Boyd Pierce's jacket or the Donnie yeah. and Marie show. Yeah. <laughs> Boyd was a super nice guy. We were friends with him, Mike and I. He came to our convention, the, the Sam Munchnik St. Louis thing in 91. What a good guy. Yeah. So where did you get your training at? Uh, I got my training from a wrestler by the name of Mark Chandler. Oh, yeah. Not really very well known out here because he was, I don't even know if he was a mid-quarter back um, in the days he was working. But he was married to um, Kitty Adams for uh, for a short spell. And then, uh, um, so how long did you train for? Well, this is the interesting part. Um I didn't train in a ring. You know, like you always hear about the, the hearts and the, the dungeon and all those other kind of stuff. Well, we had Mark Tendler's garage. Yeah. So it wasn't even a ring. So I had to learn how to bump on a garage floor that just had two by fours, plywood, and a little gym mat. So imagine getting over the fear of landing backwards on something with no give at all. So that's to give you an idea of the difference of um, then versus now. Uh, back then, you got jumped in like you were joining a you know the Latin Kings or the Crips or the Bloods. They beat the dog shit out of you, and with good cause because they wanted the jock snippers out. They didn't want the fanboys. Well, fast forward, sports entertainment. Now we're filled with charlatans and fanboys. So you know it's like the business took. It, it, we're, we're we're tanking in a. It's like. Pretty soon we're going to be the our future is going to be the the fate of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey because wrestling is far from politically correct. So I'm waiting for cancel culture to try to dig their claws in. I like that for a rant. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true with all the uh, the tri WF and WWF stuff being totally expunged, cleaned of any any fun stuff or you know I mean. If you watch Bill Maher last night, it applies to wrestling. He said uh, something to the millennials and all this cancel culture BS. Uh, what did he call it? Uh, there was uh, before Christ, A.D., and now it's uh, B, let's see, B.Y., before you. And then, you know, shows like two millennials, their heads explode when he goes, yeah, there was shit going on before you. Right, and, right. Maybe it wasn't. Well, that's the thing with, with, with coddling kids. You coddle them and you want to protect them, put them in bubble wrap and, and set them loose in the world. You can't do that. They have to live and learn and make their own mistakes. And, you know, you got to give them some degree of trust that and say, hey, at least whatever I instilled in them, you know, go forth. But the thing that to coddle your kid and then turn them loose onto the world totally unprepared is it's like socially promoting kids in schooling and sending them to an Ivy League college. It makes no sense. It's like overprotecting them. That's why we have all these peanut allergies. I never heard of that stuff at all until, what, eight, seven, eight years ago. Let me quickly just ask, because I photographed you many times. Hopefully, we'll connect and I can send you a lot of those photos. But I shot all of Herb Abrams' TV on the West Coast. Did you come out here for uh, that stuff? It was in Reseda and around where John Tolis lived in Woodland Hills. No, the West. I only did the Penta stuff, the Hotel Penta. Okay. Um, and the he. The funny thing was the, it's like you could see like from the first show and then like the other taping, like the first one was packed and then the other taping was kind of less and a little less and a little less. And I guess his, his, I mean, his heart was in the right place. The guy was definitely driven. I mean, if nothing left, the guy was 
definitely driven. And uh, maybe for just uh, his demons did him in, but I, I loved him. Herb was a great guy to me. He was the first guy to put me over on TV. So uh, for me, that was cool. I mean, even that was before uh, I had my time in ECW. You know, so that was like that was nice for me because I spent most of my time making everybody else look good. So tell me about your transition to ECW and what that was like. How when how did how were you informed or did you try out for ECW or how did how did that happen and how did you hear about that you were added to the um, roster? I had heard about ECW promotion from a good old friend of mine who I haven't heard from him. I just like reconnected him recently on Facebook. Used to write for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. His name is um, Bob Smith. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to Todd Gordon. And at that time, okay, you know, like for for you young kids, back in the day, you know, back in the Stone Age, when, you know, when guys like me broke in, we had to get a VHS tape, put it in an envelope, get eight by tens, put that in an envelope, a little bit of a bio about yourself, put that in the envelope, seal it, return receipt, put it in the mail, pray to God the promoter opens it and even looks at the damn thing. You know, so things are different. Now, email, link, boom, 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 here's my highlight reel. You know, so you the for, uh, Joe Goodhart's TWA, which was the predecessor, because uh, Todd Gordon was there doing, you know, gopher work for Joel. Right. I, 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 yeah, I was there after the, uh, after the uh, Goodhart years. Okay. Just after. That's when they were just starting out um, in the sports bar in Philly. Where they were doing, starting to do their shows. They had actually started putting their uh, wrestling on um, cable access, as most guys do on a shoestring budget, just to just try to get the product out there. And this is one of the few times that the cable access actually paid off. That was kind of a magical point for ECW because wasn't when you were there, wasn't Eddie Gilbert and uh, Kevin Sullivan and Terry Funk? They were, I don't know, they were doing the, the booking, or was primarily Eddie, who was a genius. Eddie was the guy that gave me my first break, as far as business-wise was concerned. We did a show at some college in Pennsylvania, like someplace off the, Pen- off the Pennsylvania Turnpike in the winter. I remember because my father was, a, was still alive then. And it was their inaugural TV taping, plus it was like a tryout for several, you know, several of us guys from around here. So I went with my father. We went down there. Uh, had my match. Funny you'd mention Tony Stetson and Larry Winters. But hey, guess what? I had Lance and I, the uh, one of the uh, Samoan boys, when he was just first breaking in. Um, and um, who else? It was uh, yeah, me tag teaming, which we did look like a tag team. He was the Samoan warrior. That was what he went by at the time. And I went by just Chris Michaels from New York. And the first thing I did was, you know, start ripping on their sports teams, which, of course, get instant heat with Philly people. So started with that. And match went really nice. They went over. Uh, but then about a week later, get a phone call from Eddie Gilbert, which, you know, completely blew my mind. I was like, yeah, we don't have about 45-minute conversation. And he said, um, one of the things that I'd like to do with you might get you some heat with the boys, but... Um, after watching your tryout match, you took me back and you reminded me of a young Eddie Gilbert trying to make it in this business. And I was like, wow, what a compliment. I was like, holy crap. 
he compared me to him, and I'm like, geez, I, I guess, uh, and, and all, you know, all the stuff I had out there, you know, like a guy that just saw potential in me, and then he said, I'm going to put you with um, uh, Suicide Blondes tag team. We're going to do it like a Freebirds rules type thing. Uh, any one of the guys in the, uh, you know, the trifecta or whatever you want to call it can, um, you know, can come out with the belts and whatever, and then started from there, and uh, that's where it picked up from that point. And then we had the Super Destroyer um, feud, my feud with uh, Wildman Salvatore, Belomo, rest in peace, Sal. One of the greatest, greatest guys I ever worked with ever. Because uh, he was from the time when worked a match and told the story. And the guy was great. <laughs> the guy was as humble as anyone could be. You know, so, uh, you know, I had great people in my background that helped push me along so i was really appreciative of that wow well that's that's great um uh in fact a little side note was that um in the early 80s i went to a match with salvatore Bolomo in it and me and my friends had really good seats and we started a salvatore Bolomo chant even <laughs> salvatore himself was like Wow, someone's actually a section of, of is is rooting for me, and he was he was kind of blown away with that. So that's my my I do remember the Salvatore Bolomo chant that we we got going for him. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy because they had um at that time, that's when another one, another great when Sherry Martel was with us. Another one, God rest his soul, she was with him coming out. So he, they partnered her with him. They called him Wild Man Sal, the Kitty's Pal. They were trying to market him with the kids. And with that crazy outfit, he looked, they, everybody was um, calling him the guy from the Little Caesars thing. They all called him Pizza Pizza, Pizza Pizza when he came out. So yeah. that was like, that was cool. And I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I believe that I'm the first guy that ever bumped a woman in ECW when we started the feud with me and Wild Man Sal when I gave um, Sherry to show Boba Hunter Q. Robbins. Did the old thing where, you know, you did get on the old fours behind somebody's back and then, boom, to shove. The, the traditional schoolboy. Like instant heat for me. That's the traditional schoolboy, I think. You know, well, like, it was, well, you know, like the, the prank kids playing school, someone will get on their hands and knees. Yeah, that's the school Behind boy. you and then someone, just, boom, just give yes. you a shove and knock you on your back. That was yeah. that kind of move. Just like did one of those, like, uh, but boy, the instant heat, ah, well, it was, you know, especially with that. And then, then it just became a regular thing. And then it morphed from guys bumping chicks to whatever they did in ECW to now this intergender crap, which makes me want to shove my hand down my throat, grab my uvula and puke. I, <laughs> I hate it. That, that intergender stuff is the drizzling shits. And I'm saying it right now. I don't like men beating up women. And if you're, if you're a guy and you enjoy that, you need to have your head examined. That to me does not make sense because I have daughters. So I'm gonna and, and I have sons. So I'm gonna teach my kid, my boys, okay, well, you know, she had it coming, you know. <laughs> I, I don't like I like the old way. The guy tags the chick, the, the guy has to tag the other, then they come in girl versus girl, guy versus guy. I don't like that mixing it up crap. Yeah, women all powerful stuff. Yeah, I can understand that, but that gives open license to a to a douchebag that has no scruple to go ahead and start, you know, cold cocking chicks. I don't like it. I just don't. Chris, let me uh, before I throw to Evan, let me just ask you something. So I was just going to ask you, and you pretty much answered what I was going to ask without me asking about your thoughts on today's wrestling. We were talking with a female promoter who I, I can't even 
think of any in the U.S. now. Uh, and I'm sort of a historian going back to Ann Gunkel, Sheik's wife, and uh, there have been a couple before Dixie Carter. But your thoughts on today's business, we were talking with her about uh, like all these former great finishers or the Stan Hansen, Larry Otto, just transition moves. It's I knew that was coming. A fuckload of, yeah. uh, pardon my language, of super kicks. A, a lot of way too many super kicks, and they're not even finishers. Oh, you mean the thigh slapping super kicks that, that they finally, and Evan will tell you at nauseum. Yes. I sit there and I thigh slapping leg kicks. Why? Why? If That's if you're in the nosebleeds and you can hear somebody getting kicked in the face, shouldn't the law of physics mean that guy to be on the ground gasping for his breath? It doesn't make sense. In a street fight, sense. in a street fight, it's important to slap your thigh before you hit the guy. <laughs> Well, yeah, you want to have that, that, yeah. that dramatic effect with the foley. To me, it looks like you're at a backyard barbecue and you're being attacked by mosquitoes. It just doesn't look, you know. <laughs> but let me put over one company. Where the heck did I see? I'm about to jump at it. Well, camera site for a quick second. I should have had it right next to me. In the back. See how quick that was? Um, there's a company that we work for out here. I want to put over Team Splendid. As you can see, I've got my Splendid shirt on. Um, and the banner this behind is, you seems splendid. We are the current um, New Age Wrestling um, Tag Team Champions. This is like an old school design belt that's actually cast. It's not the old fashioned crap. No, you put it up looks really nice. Thing. Yeah, it's a good belt. This belt was actually made, if I could find the plaque. Uh, but, 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 here it is. I don't know if you can make it up close. It's, it, it's made in the memory of a person that was killed by gang violence up in Massachusetts. Oh. So this, this wrestling company, aside from all the other companies out there, um, a Christian-based wrestling company, and they're all based on stop the violence. That's their theme. So the only violence that we want to see is in the ring. So, you know, and it's a place for trying to send a positive message to kids that may not have uh, a positive male figure. A lot of boys especially with our fathers, you know, turn to gangs because they don't have, you know, they want, they want that, that feeling of family. They want that, you know, that, that masculine role model. And, you know, we want to try to at least give them something. Well, you it's know, Father's Day Eve, so that's an appropriate sentiment, you know, as we are on yes, not birthing, uh, uh, not birthing donors or whatever the, the cancel culture is going to want to start calling fathers now. You know, uh, donating of the, whatever. I, I just don't have, like calling mothers birthing people uh, it's like we've george carlin you're you you're, he's probably rolling in his grave right now yes. <laughs> he's on I a rotisserie told so. i told you so <laughs> george carlin's on a rotisserie right now maybe he, would, he was smart enough he would got, would have gotten cremated before all this happened just so he wouldn't <laughs> have to roll around in his grave but uh um so, so tell me some of your your highlights of when you were in the ring. What what would you consider some of your best matches? Um, well, I I never really rate myself as how good I was as how good I made the other guy. I I never really cared so much about myself. Maybe that's why when um everybody's like, oh, are you just a job or just that the other thing? I said, yeah. You really think that if I didn't want to lay down, I could have kicked up at any time I wanted to? I said. It's, that's got nothing to do with it. Said, you're, you're in a business where uh, you got to do work. So my best, I should say, my, my, I think my best match as far as um, 
having it as a memory site because the two the two of them that were that were with me are no longer here was my match against Bam Bam Bigelow when Sherry was my manager. Probably the best ever because Scott didn't do anything. He just laid in his back the whole time. I didn't even break a sweat. I said, this is the easiest 500 bucks you ever made. <laughs> but it was a good match because all I did was, he's a big guy. I just worked his leg. And that's it. Worked his leg. He got up, made the comeback, kicked his leg, boom, back down again. He loved it. And I looked at it. He goes, you're going to have a good tape to send your promoter. I said, yeah, I said, well, good. I said, Tessa, thanks to me. You don't have to wash your gear today, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But, uh, you know, uh, or um, I think my, my of course, a lot of my good memories of, of WWF time is, uh, I guess, when I looked up on the board and saw um, my name underneath Ric Flair, and I was like, uh, wow, what the hell am I going to do? You know, because I wasn't, look, I broke in in 89, so by 91, and I think what Flair got to, got to them, like, around, what, 92? Correct. Right. So um, <laughs> I'll never forget this, too, because it was, like, right in the middle of the year in 91, my first match was Sergeant Slaughter. It was right before the match made in hell with Hogan and Warrior and, and uh, the Sheik and all of that. And I was the last thing they had before the pay-per-view. So I caught an ass woman. Wrestled Slaughter, did my thing. I did that Ric Flair bump out of the corner where he runs in, grabs the ropes, hooks, runs to the side, climbs. So funny part about this story. I'm with my sons in a Sears at Long Island in the TV section when they were broadcasting Wrestling Challenge or Superstars of Wrestling. Every TV in the store was on that channel. I hear, I'm like, no way. It can't be. Turn around, sure as shit, my match. I'm looking yeah. around, I'm like, is anybody in the store? I'm like, okay. So I'm with my kids, sitting there watching it, waiting for that Ric Flair bump, waiting, waiting, waiting. Edit cut, what the fuck? Gone. What the hell? No idea that they were already in negotiation with Flair, and I stole his heat by doing that bump, so they had to cut that crap out. Ain't that some shit? So, wow. So that, so that, that, so they, they edit a lot of stuff out. They've retaped finishes. They've, you know, kind of TV taping, you know, they've, they've redone certain things. Uh, let's see, we'll try to think what about my match with Undertaker getting put in the body bag. Um, I think pretty much any of the stuff that I did with them because Undertaker was still relatively new. He had one tattoo, he still had the Bassett Tracing on it. Uh, you know, and he was, you know, and these guys were more afraid of me than I was of them because they didn't know me. You know, I'm just a new guy in the scene. They're worried, you know, this guy going to make me look bad in front of 60,000 people. So they had all, they put a lot of trust in me. New guy, green as shit. But, you know, I just did whatever they wanted. What do you need me to do? Uh, Tony Guria, Rene Goulet. Tony Guria used to call me uh, battling Bill Pierce. Get out there and bump like a crazy machine. Because mm. he knew I like to get out there and have fun. That's why, like in Hamburg, the thing coming up, I want to get down there. I want to see Tony Guria, uh, you know, one, one time say, hey, you probably won't recognize me, but <laughs> I'm the guy you used to send out there to, to put all your guys over. But nice. that to me, I mean, even ICW, wrestling for the Savoldis. My very, one of my first things, Angelo Savoldi, when he was alive. What a blessing to meet that man. Ugh. But what about Mario, though, who I work Mario, with? Mario? I got along with Mario, okay? Is that um, his cousin Tommy Ugh. was a pisser. I, um, 
used to get it's like they always like talk like back then I, I laugh now because so many indie guys are making less money than the guys are getting paid then 50 bucks at that time to go do a tv taping for the some oldies back then we laughed at it now i'm looking at so many guys on the indies are getting paid 35 bucks for a house show i'm laughing i'm like who knew we were actually getting good and i was getting 150 bucks a day because i was driving a ring truck setting the ring up jobbing at least six times a night to the tv taping Breaking the ring down, packing the truck, and driving it to the next town. So I got paid more money than those guys did. But they were all the superstars. Look at all the you talent know? that came out of there, though. Dreamer, sure. Enemy, uh, Taz, so many guys. Yeah, he was, um, you know, funny thing about Taz is it took him 13 years to be an overnight success. I remember mm -hmm. him and Ray Odyssey having a tryout match while I was doing the preliminaries. And I looking like, Chris, how did you get here? I said, it wasn't by me. I happen to know... Um, I knew this guy named Sonny Blaze, who happened to know John Arizzi, who had the connection with Terry Garvin. So everything was all, you know, goes right into the oldest who you know. You know, it's barely six months in the business, or not even a year in the business, and here I am doing TVs. Crazy. Well, you know, I mean, at least as far as, as far as, at least after I got in the ring and actually I made my, my first, you know, my debut match. So it was definitely something that my army buddies i'm sure like probably looked on tv one day and looked up and said holy crap it's sergeant pierce you know <laughs> and that's the only thing i want to do to say hey look i'm gonna you're gonna see me on tv one day i never thought i was gonna be a superstar and then after seeing some of the horror stories on the road guys like uh uh, uh was it uh danny morello gorilla monsoon's son dying in that horrible car wreck with harvey Whippleman. that could have been me one night uh, as a matter of fact, one night I was on the road with the guys. One guy fell asleep at the wheel while driving, and that was it. No more night driving for any of those other guys. Said, That's it. I'm driving. You guys are fired. I'm like, well, what gives you the right? I said, I'll tell you what. I was a sergeant in the U.S. Army. I used to stay awake during the road marches at night. I don't trust you guys. Why did one of you guys almost drove into the goddamn? That the wait, we were going into a fueling station off to the rest stop, heading to the gas pumps. I said, no thanks. I don't trust you guys. You guys can't stay awake. And that was it. I was a driver for nighttime. <laughs> I, I elected myself. I wasn't going to die with these fools. So, so what is your next project? What are you what What are you working on now? What's What's the big things coming up for you? Well, I mean, as you can see, my one little backdrop here. I mean, that's part of what's going on. I'm still going to continue to do my um, uh, team splendid stuff at least for a bit now, and then maybe we'll do an angle where we break up and do something. Who knows what we're going to do? It depends on how well the gimmick works. Um, and see from there. Um, we're going to be in the process here of um, um, knocking out a wall and uh, building a sound studio in my basement. I actually had a studio built upstairs in my in one of my rooms upstairs, but then my younger daughter wanted a room to herself, so I had to dismantle it, take everything down, and then the then the COVID hit. So I was like, okay, well, the timing for that was good, so all my stuff is down here. So my intentions of doing that is um, for the, the guy sitting up on top of the screen, my buddy Evan. We're gonna get the Evan Ginsberg show in our own home location, like we used to, like we used to have a home location at BAI years ago. So rather than dealing with um, people that have different political views that uh, that want to have you as a host take your money, but then talk crap about you behind your back, is not gonna happen to my friend anymore. So. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a long, long, sad story. Yeah, that's that's for a whole, whole different segment. <laughs> yes, but it just but, goes to show you that, um, 
you you really can't have friends on different ends of whether it's religion, political, and other stuff, and respect each other for having God God knows your own friggin' thoughts. <laughs> you that, know, that, that's, all, that's all. That's all code for Chris votes Republican, I vote Democrat, and he's one of my best friends. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because at the end, see, I my I let my thing. I go the old way. Go in the booth, close the curtain. I do my vote in silence. But where everybody's now, it's the participation trophy generation. Now, I see everybody. I voted with the sticker. I'm like, are you shitting me? Are we going to start now wearing stickers? I was juror number three on jury duty. Yes. At what point do we start praising ourselves for doing just regular crap? Holy mackerel. It's like. The yes. sticker for I wiped. I, yeah, right. Well, that would, would that be a, a brown ribbon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how can our fans get a hold of you if they want to check out your matches, if they want to uh, see what you're up to with Team Splendid? Well, you you could find um, well we have we have Team Splendid pages on Facebook. Um, we have uh, Simply Splendid Bobby C, which is on you can find him on Facebook. Simply Sensational Fabulous. Now, it's spelling Fabulous is a little bit different. Not like Fabulous, not like that. But it's Fabio, like Fabio, I can't believe it's not butter, and L-O-U-S. So it's Fabiolus. That's, that's, that's like the whole gimmick is a goof on Fabio. I am Fabiolus. I can't believe you're not better. That's kind of like the gimmick. But you'd have to be old enough to appreciate it. <laughs> so you got that on Facebook. And, of course, um, there's Chris Michaels' page also on Facebook if you want to check that one out. You could also find I have a Wikipedia page that I did not make. Someone made it for me. I thank whoever that is that thought enough of me to think that I was uh, deserving of a wiki page. But someone actually made one and has my accomplishments on there. I had to edit out the stuff that wasn't mine because I didn't like having titles attached to me that I didn't actually hold. Where some guys would like to have that gassed up resume, but I'm not like that. I don't do that. I'm a military veteran, and I... Uh, I have a thing for stolen valor, and I don't care which capacity it is. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not. That's just something called uh, dignity. You know, it's um, or I, I say um, it's you know, it's be true to yourself. You know, it's being a phony is just. You know, and never to tell you. Sometimes I'm I, I'm uh, honest to a fault to points like like Evans is like sitting there going, oh God Almighty, and he's like. Trying to edit his Facebook comment, like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. What the? Yeah. But, but he knows that I'm. You know, a lot of times I just go into heel mode, and a lot of it's just tongue in cheek. So, so that's that's the one thing. But you know, he knows like there's certain things I won't touch. There's certain things I know where Evan has a soft spot that I won't go in there and say, hey, well, I think blah blah blah. But no, I'm not going to do that because look, everybody's got that one. Like if someone talks about uh, pedophilia, I gotta. I got to think for that because of what happened to me as a child. So I've got beautiful things I'd like to do to pedophiles, but that's a whole other story. That's a whole different, that's a whole we'll different. Maybe talk about it in another show, but you've been a very entertaining guest tonight. We really have appreciated all the things that you've uh, gave us input on. Evan, did you have something? Yeah, let me that? just, let me just throw in a quick plug. My buddy, Mr. Big, they're running new evolution wrestling next Saturday, June 26th. It's called summer brawl. And it's at Battlefield Pro Wrestling, 137 Erin Lane, Broadheadsville, Pennsylvania, 
This is Summer Brawl. Mil Muertes is, in the, is on the card. And uh, Simply Splendid Bobby C is, is scheduled to be on the card. And on occasion, I walk out Team Splendid as a valet. So, uh, well, there. He's, he's our, um, our chauffeur. Chauffeur, yeah. Yes, our chauffeur. And, and he taught, I love, and the funny thing is, is Evan is, is probably the only person I've, I've met in life other than um, my, my, you know, my, my little cousin that has, doesn't have a mean bone in his body. You know, and, and um, for Evan to go out there with his keys on his finger, you peons will never ride in our limo. I have to try to, like, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. And my favorite is also when Evan uh, happens to pick out the fanboys with the replica belt so I can abuse them. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's also subject nice for another show. Chris, another, another show, guys. We, uh, we go off the air. Just stick around for just a, uh, 30 seconds when we uh, hang up. And let me just plug uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla August 1st. I think it's a Sunday in Los Angeles at the big theater. It'll be a stacked card. And let, let me just throw in one last thing on a positive note. Chris is wrestling at age 60. Bobby C is wrestling at age 50. Ageism is rampant. These guys, these guys put on you a know, better and, match and than just a lot to of prove the kids. A point, I'm gonna do this. To, for, for guys in our age category, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. For us all the guys. 60 years old. I mean, I'm taking off my, my tank top. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, probably more entertaining than uh, pretty much everybody out there, I'm sure. And here's the uh, Team Splendid shirt. There we go. Look at that. There you go. See that? See, I would have put it on, but it would have been too Oops. much purple with the tapestry I have back here. I, so I want to put my wife over since we're talking quickly Team Splendid. My wife has done more in support with us from making, uh, by sewing all the plumage on Bobby C's cape. That he has because this cape was very plain. If you look back to some of our old pictures, very plain. And in this one, actually, you can see the feathers were sewn on his collar at first and not on the edges. And then finally, I'm like, you know what? I wanted him to look a little more. We can look a little more in sync. This here is the. This is what my wife made. Wow. Oh, great. Wife is a seamstress. Nice work. And I just took a bathrobe. I uh, took a picture of Ric Flair robe, and I sent it to her, and I said. That is what I'm doing it as far as in in that kind of way, where some people think is he trying to be Ric Flair. I said, no, I'm not like that that wannabe Ric Flair guy that spent ten grand to buy his robe. I'm not that <laughs> But I, I wanted to make something unique about us. And when we come out, everybody notices us because we have a different look. We come out old school. I come out with a mirror with no mirror. If anyone remembers Romper Room from years ago, Miss Louise with the magic mirror. Oh, I see Julie and Tommy. That's where we got it from. Plus, Bobby C. kept on breaking the damn mirrors. <laughs> was running out of purple mirrors. I'm like, okay, forget yeah. it. Screw the glass. So we went without the glass. And it actually works out better because now they look at us like, what the hell are these guys looking at a blank thing for? So it creates some kind of talking point where at least the people, when we're wrestling a match, they're not in their phone texting their friends. They may be on their phone videoing us or taking pictures, but they're not disinterested with the 46-spot um, marathon that goes on with these, these spot monkeys. You know, one, you see one match, you've seen them all with those guys. It's just different gimmicks, but same crap. 
Same one guy standing there with six guys waiting for him to jump on him. You know, the same dopey crap. The boys allowed to uh, bring into the ring and the kick, you know, shoot on uh, anybody that's looking at their cell phone when a match is going. How rude! It's just so rude. Can't you be in the moment for like a couple of minutes? It's just, it's just insane to me that you go to a place to be entertained and then you want to stay on thing that you could be on all day long anyway. You know, I mean, if you're going live on Facebook and saying, "Hey, man, I'm at this great wrestling show," you, I'm all for that, but. You'll see, and I mean, we see it a lot where the fans just, they're not interested, or they're not, um, like I tell the young guys, when the fan screams boring, right away you jump up and you're getting ready to do a spot, don't move. You're in control. If they're not saying boring, that means they're in their phone. At least they're paying attention. That means they're into the match. So, yeah, well, guess what? This for a chinlock is for the guy in the first row. It's his fault. I do that. The hell with it. But, but, but it's like going to a Broadway show and like, <laughs> no, yeah. no, um, no, 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 yeah, yeah, right there, perfect. Okay, good. See, yeah. you know, they think they're the directors. Like you know, the, the kids are so into their video games, they think that we're they have joysticks and, and we're there to they can manipulate us and 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 risk our bodies for their pleasure. Ah, come on. I like the. That's uh, why the I can still do this. I like the 350-pound guys who yell, you fucked up. You know, <laughs> these Olympic athletes out there. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about a guy that does one sit-up a day. That's to get out of bed. That's it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Did you hear this one? Uh, the, the great, great, I know Evan knows her, the great, great Broadway legend, Patty Lapone. I think somebody's oh, wow. cell phone, they were either looking at their cell phone or it rang during one of her performances. She stopped everything broke the fourth wall and just chewed this guy out and told security, get them out of here, get them out or I'm not going to do the, the show. And she had them removed. I mean, good for her. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, they're so damn distracting. It's like, for God's sake, it's like, can you disconnect for an hour? It's like, you know, it's like someone going on a plane that's a cigarette smoke and a guy's going through like four hours on a plane. Put the phone down. My God. It's 1984 was so right. And there they are, staring at their screens. God, he was, this guy was prophetic. But if you are going to stare at your screens, stare at Wrestling and Everything Coast to Coast this week's show. That's right. And if you're going to stare we'll, at your screen, stare at us old guys. Very yeah. good. All right, we got to go. Thank you, everyone, for being on the show. We'll have you again sometime, Chris. You're very interesting. That's my Hulk Hogan post for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Thank <laughs> you.